Ugh, she bit again. She does this every day. She ruins everything. You know better than that. I know you're just doing that to be difficult. She bit him on purpose. Ever hear these words come from a fellow teacher or parent, or maybe in your own head? Hey there, it's Sarah, and this is Kids These Days. On today's episode, we are going to talk about changing the way we look at children's behaviors to see them as communication instead of a nuisance. Your perception of any behavior can influence the way that you think about that behavior, how you choose to react to that behavior, and how you teach others how to react to the same or similar behaviors. It's so important that we are purposefully observing our children throughout each day in different settings and situations to learn more about them. As the adults trying to figure out how to help these tiny humans be kind and productive big humans, we must take time to intentionally and meaningfully observe children during their daily routines and interactions. And as we observe, it is important to focus on objective, observable behaviors and actions. And to get the most bang for your buck, you want to ensure that you are observing each child from many angles throughout their day. When I talk about objective, I mean if you describe to me what happened, it would be like looking at a picture. It has to be just the facts. So here's some things to think about when you're observing to gather information about your children. Where does he spend his time? Near others, alone, always in the same area, moving around from space to space all the time. How does she respond to and interact with her peers? Does she watch? Does she join? Avoid? Doesn't seem to notice others. How does she respond to and interact with the adults that are regularly in the room and to new adults? Does she stay near adults? Doesn't seem to notice them, wants to interact with them by talking, showing, giving, smiling, laughing, dancing? Or does she become distressed when adults come and go or new adults are in the room? How does he respond to verbal or nonverbal redirection and classroom expectations? Does he comply with one or two step directions? Is he independent in completing tasks or need adult assistance? Is he beginning to meet some of the classroom expectations without reminders? What is he doing with the materials or toys in your classroom? Mouthing them, filling, dumping, stacking, throwing, pretend play. And then what language, verbal or nonverbal, is the child using? Eye contact, smiling, crying, screeching, pushing away, cuddling, looking away, singing, using spoken words, hitting, pushing, taking. So those are some questions to just kind of think about when you're thinking about your kids and trying to get more information. And when you're doing this observing, it's imperative that you are mindful of your own perceptions and biases. Let's talk a little bit about that. So remember at the top of the episode, when I asked if you'd ever heard those words regarding a child's behavior come from a fellow teacher or parent, or maybe in your own head? Well, spoiler alert, if you have a brain in your head, which I know you do because you've used your prefrontal cortex and you chose to listen to this awesome podcast, then you have heard these words in your own head and you want to know why? 
It's called the confirmation bias. And the confirmation bias is this phenomenon that our brain does where it seeks out and favors information that confirms what we already believe along with those beliefs and choices we want to justify going forward. And we do this by not seeking out objective facts, but relying on subjective feeling-based input, which is therefore really hard to prove right or wrong. We interpret information that we gather in a way that supports our existing beliefs. We tend to only remember details that uphold our belief and ignore information that challenges our belief. So these confirmation biases impact how we gather information, but they also influence how we interpret and recall information, make decisions, and then that can lead to poor or faulty choices. So let me give you an example. Your belief. Sarah is such a bad kid, she messes up everything. Right? So to support that belief, your brain focuses on the following events. Sarah knocked over a puzzle that Anna was playing with. She chose not to come to the table at lunch. She did not take a nap and had to be supervised the whole time. And when it was time to come inside from the playground, Sarah would not come to the door. However, your brain failed to focus on Sarah helped Tanisha pick up the blocks when it was time to clean up for breakfast. She served herself and passed the food at breakfast, sat quietly in her cot for 20 minutes reading books before getting up, and on the playground, Sarah rode the pedal bike all by herself. So, is Sarah a bad kid? Or is Sarah a kid that's just trying to live her best life the only way she knows how? Once you've gathered that observable concrete behaviors and actions, those things that you saw and heard in your classroom or in your home. Now you have to reflect on what those behaviors and actions might mean. Reflection requires that we look for the reason or the function that drives a child's behavior and actions. Knowing the reason behind a child's behavior helps us build a more complete understanding of how to best interact with that child and to help them learn and grow and thrive. And again, I want to stop for a second and say, I know we're talking a lot about kids, but kids are humans. So in theory, all these things we're talking about apply to any human in your life, not just kids. When reflecting on children's behaviors and actions, we often make incorrect assumptions about the motivations or the purpose driving the said behaviors and actions. That's right, folks, you guessed it. That old confirmation bias sneaking back in. But there's hope. A light at the end of the tunnel. Hold on to your ranger's hat, folks. I'm about to go all smoky bear on you. Only you have the power to change your perception of the situation. And how do you do that? By remembering and applying this one simple phrase. Every behavior is a request for something. Let me put that in your ears again. Every behavior is a request for something. Often, the children, the humans, (laughs) that need the most help ask for it in the most challenging ways. So we 
have to do the heavy work to remember that every behavior is a request for something. When reflecting to find meaning in the behaviors and actions that you've observed, first, a little helpful acronym that I like to try and keep in my back pocket and remind myself is to HALT. H-A-L-T. So when a child is engaged in a behavior action and you don't understand why, remind yourself to HALT and ask if the child is hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. I'll give you that again. To halt. Hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And yes, this does work on husbands too. Angry is meant to remind you to look for an emotion that might be driving the behavior or action. Not just anger or sadness, but happiness. Maybe grandma and grandpa are coming this weekend and so she is bouncing off the wall like she has hopped up on Pop Rocks. Okay? And then lonely is meant to remind you to look at the role a relationship might have in driving a behavior or action. Maybe that child really wants to go and play with some kids and isn't quite sure how. So instead of just asking, maybe she knocks the blocks over because that's a way to maybe grab some attention and see if she can't get in there and play. So again, I'll give it to you one more time. Remember to halt. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. You know why the Snickers commercials are funny? Because they're true. So, other questions to think about, to ponder when you're reflecting to find meaning might include things like, are the child's behaviors or actions developmentally appropriate for children their age? Are the majority of the child's relationships with adults and peers in the room positive? Is the child being appropriately challenged with the activities and materials I've provided? Is the child overstimulated? Are they bored? Does the child understand the expectations of the classroom, of the program? And you can answer these questions with yes or no, but then you got to follow that up with, what did I see that told me that? What did I hear? So for example, on the, does the child understand the expectations of the classroom? I could say yes, because when I said, Sarah, please go dump your plate for lunch. She stood up, took her plate to the dump area, dumped it out and went and washed her hands. Or I could say, is the child appropriately challenged with the activities and materials in the classroom? I might say, no, because I noticed that at the end of playtime, all the materials were just dumped out on the floor. There was a lot of stuff out, and all she did was just dump everything out. Okay, so anytime you're looking to find, to reflect, to find meaning, you can yes or no it, but then you got to follow it up with what did I see that told me that, and what did I hear that told me that. So when we're observing to gather information, and reflecting to find meaning, when those two things happen at the same time, we can create a biased way of thinking and information gathering. A biased way that tends to lead us to judge, which then demands punishment, and leads us to look at children's behaviors as issues to be dealt with. Now, don't get me wrong. There are times you must observe and reflect at the same time. Like when that child's about to Superman herself off the shelf, I need you to see the Superman, 
help the Superman remove herself safely, and then redirect the Superman to a safer climbing and jumping off point. But when we are able to observe our children from every angle and take time to reflect on what that information means, free from our own biases and perceptions, we begin to look at the reasons and needs driving the child's behavior as roadmaps to best guide, nurture, teach, and help children thrive. Remember, every behavior is a request for something. Be sure to check out the infographic for this episode in the show notes. If you have questions, comments, suggestions, or want to share your practice related to this or a previous episode, please email us at kidsthesedayspod at gmail or tag us on Instagram at kidsthesedayspod. And don't forget to hit subscribe. See you next time on Kids These Days. Music track, Hackbeat by Kevin McLeod. This episode was written, recorded, and edited by Sarah Holmes and Rudy Benavides. Infographics by Rudy Benavides. Kids These Days is made possible through grant funding provided by the Kansas Department for Children and Families.